Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Well, we're back. It's been a little while. I think it's been like three weeks or a month since we last had an episode that we released that wasn't a free agency show. August 25th when we record this at 1 p.m. Eastern time on a rainy Wednesday here in Cleveland. And I know that Brian's got some yard work going on outside that he's not too happy about. But man, there's been a lot of things that happened since the last time me and Brian chatted it up right here on Keeping It 94. And we're glad to be back. It's an off-season edition. I'm going to talk a little bit about what teams had good off seasons what teams had bad off seasons some news that's in the cycle at the moment but most importantly just catching up with each other because it's been a little while as i said so i'm wondering if brian's got any questions for me i went to summer league i did congregate with the bosses had a great time out in sin city shot some really good video you can find that over on our youtube page youtube.com slash basketball news Got some great articles and stories and interviews that came from those. So, all in all, very good trip. Looking forward to the season. Media Day is in a month, people, already. It's crazy. And hopefully I can get like a week or two to just kind of recharge a little bit. But basketball's around the corner for the NBA. We've got people arguing about 2K ratings. We've got preseason lists coming out. We got people all in a tizzy online because their favorite teams and players are not being valued high enough. This is exactly what the offseason is after free agency and after summer league and after the draft. This is the point of, of the calendar year we are at. So we're just glad to be back here talking about all of that. So with that said, what's up, Brian? Good to, good to hear from you. Good to see you. I've missed you, Spence. It's been a little while because while we've taken a couple-week hiatus from the podcast, even before then, uh, it's been a couple weeks prior to that even since I was on here with you. So it's been about a month yeah. since I've done this podcast with you. And during that month, it seems like a lot has changed in the NBA. Uh, a lot has changed, but a lot has stayed the same because as much change – and things happen around the draft and free agency and trades and whatnot. Overall, it doesn't feel like the balance of power necessarily has shifted around the NBA, but there definitely have been some changes. But most importantly, you mentioned you went to Vegas. You were part of the team out there for the uh, summer league. 
we need some stories, Spence, because we always hear about all these different things that happen and all the people that you run into, not only other members of the media, but from teams and players and, you know, just kind of what the atmosphere is. So kind of uh, explain the atmosphere for anybody who hasn't been to a summer league and uh, uh, tell us some stories. So it was a good summer league in the sense of just kind of reconnecting with people. Um, it was a opportunity to network, um, see people that you haven't seen in a year and a half, two years, you know, that did you get some the, digits? Did you get some digits from some people, some important people? I think I secured uh, a few, uh, good numbers, I would say. Nice. But, uh, and, and, uh, we, you know, we won't kiss and tell on those, but I, I will say, you know, just kind of hooking up with, with Alex and, and, and seeing the, the crew, you know, meeting Scott Hale, our CEO, um, you know, meeting clips. All Should I ask you what it's like to actually be around Scott, or do we want to keep that off air? Oh, man, maybe we could get into that later. But, you know, met the Dishes and Dimes crew. You know, like, everybody was really cool. Nikias Duncan was there. Um, so we had a good contingent there. Um, it was a networking trip first, though. Uh, you know, we, we did shoot a lot of good video, uh, and perhaps we were one of maybe – two places if that that got video at ground level like that so i'm very proud of us uh, in doing that stuff but it, it, access wise and summer league feel wise you had to kind of watch yourself because there were um you know certain you know restrictions that were not made in in previous years and some of the media areas moved uh, so the NBA had to accommodate for safety and, you know, I'm all for that, but just speaking from past experiences, it just was not, uh, the same as usual. You could usually hang around back behind the court. You see people, big, big time players. I remember standing in the corner just at summer league and LeBron James and Anthony Davis walked by me, you know, like things like that, less, uh, you know, few and far between, um, being able to just interact with those people, um, and you know, just players and executives that are, are walking around down in the locker room area, uh, and just catching up with them, you know, you, you couldn't do that quite as much, uh, in the hallways though, the hallways were, the, were pretty much the same, just walking around campus there, um, at Thomas and Mack center, you would see people, uh, you know, just kind of discuss and catch up with them as I mentioned earlier. So from that perspective, it was very good. Um, you were not allowed to you know, congregate in the casinos, but as you were walking through your casinos and stuff like that, you would see people. And again, you would just kind of chop it up with them. And, you know, it, it was a really good experience from that perspective access wise, it could have been better, but you know, the NBA kind of had their hands tied. So hopefully, you know, next time around next summer, uh, some of those restrictions will be a little bit softer and uh, it, it'll be able to kind of do, you know, what you set out to do when you go to Vegas and that's to, you know, really make yourself visible, but also, you know, nail down these interviews that I'm talking about that you would get. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's, it's really different. So did Scott buy you any good meals? Tell me that the boss plopped down some coin to get you a nice meal or two. Scott Hale is the man. Okay. It, despite our Detroit Cleveland uh, Michigan and Ohio rivalry that we've had. He's got to stop us. that in slack, man. He's starting to get a little obnoxious with it behind that. Okay. 
Uh, yes, Scott was very gracious. Um, can't thank him enough for one, you know, flying us out there and, you know, getting us, uh, you know, uh, an amazing experience, um, whether it's during work or, or, you know, when you're playing afterwards. And let me tell you, there was some playing. Uh, but uh, it was good to see Scott. Good to good to meet Scott. He was his personality is exactly how I had, had uh, imagined. And and yes, he he did you know provide some some very good meals for us. Um, and and we really congregated. I also forgot to mention too, Matt Babcock was out there. Got to meet our draft expert. Very very good guy. Um, his team, Grant Key, uh, Blake Hairston, Derek Murray, all very very cool good people and talented in what they do. So, um, you know, it was just a, a, it was a great trip overall, uh, for work and for, for also just getting to know these people that I've been working with for a year that I never met in person until then. So it it was kind of cool from that regard. And then obviously, obviously, uh, seeing Alex and, you know, Alex and I go back. So, uh, it, it is just, uh, you know, again, good. It, it felt normal from that perspective. Good. Yes. No, it was good. And, uh, you know, there were, there were plenty of performances that, that stood out. The, this rookie class was seemingly more than ready than, you know, any other class than, than I've seen in the past, especially last year when we didn't have a summer league, uh, those guys got thrown into the fire. I love seeing them come back second year guys stepping onto the floor in a environment that was way below them, whether they would admit it or not, you know, guys like Tyrese Maxey come into the, to the, stage Patrick Williams Isaac Okoro uh, those guys that never experienced summer league the year before coming in and doing what they did really impressed me they only played you know a handful of games because clearly uh, they didn't have to prove themselves at that level they were just doing some experimentation they were just kind of sharpening their craft Um, I did articles on on all three of those guys that I just mentioned by the way at basketballnews.com if you want to read what those guys were working on particularly um, you know, I, I also loved some standout rookies that I saw out there, um, and, you know, more in depth summer league stories, uh, that we have on basketballnews.com. Evan Sidery, Nikias Duncan did a great job uh, of really Ethan Fuller as well of, of detailing, uh, the, the on-court product out there. Um, so make sure you go check those out, but, uh, you know, summer league, you know, come and gone now the Kings won a championship, Brian, <laughs> they, they, they won the summer league championship. I know a lot of people uh, seeing Kings and in, in championship next to their name, uh, not used to that, but uh, really, really happy, really happy for, you know, Davion Mitchell to, to do what he did there. Um, huge, huge stuff out of him. Is uh, he the guy that we're already going to be talking about going, wait a second, how did he not go higher in this draft? It's interesting too, because a lot of people thought he got taken too high and also thought that the Kings taking another point guard, Probably wasn't the best idea. You know, you think about De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. You have Buddy Heald there still not knowing whether or not he's going to, you know, be a king, you know, long-term or whether he's going to get dealt. So uh, a crowded backcourt, but they still want to, to you know, the, their mind, the the best player available. Um, and I know they had been linked to Franz Wagner uh, for a while, but the Magic went ahead and took him at number eight. So ended up with Davion Mitchell, but clearly on the ball defending they call him off night for a reason. So, uh, you know, they trounced the Celtics in the championship game there. Well, look at all the talk too that like there was talk behind the scenes when it came to golden state, 
when it came to Steve Kerr saying, I'd like to have a little bit more of a veteran guy. And there was some belief that others in the front office said, no, 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 let's, let's go with talent, even prospects that might take a couple of years. So they took Kaminga at seven where they could have gotten Davion Mitchell, you know, if they thought the Kings were going to take him, And that, like you said, I don't think anybody really expected that to happen, or maybe there's going to be a subsequent move, you know, when it comes to the Kings possibly moving a point guard. And now you see Mitchell and I know, you know, it's just the summer league, but at the same time, you can see all the talent there. And I think they would feel a lot better if they said, we're going to move one of our other point guards and this guy can just fill right in. Agreed. And we'll see what happens with that backcourt. I'm genuinely curious to see what they do there because there were a lot of people scratching their heads when the Kings took, took Tavy on there uh, instead of someone like, uh, you know, a Moses Moody. Uh, who happens to be on the same team as Jonathan Kaminga, by the way, both Warriors. Both did a very good job of uh, showing their potential for Golden State at Summer League. Uh, by the way, that is going to be my next article. Is actually going to be a Moody-Kaminga double uh, take there about their future in Golden State and also, you know, being rookies, lottery picks that might not get too much playing time because... Clay Thompson's coming back and Steph Curry's still there. Draymond Green's there. They just signed Otto Porter. They have Nemanja Bialica. So there's going to be time to be fought for there, but their summer league focused was to work on development. And uh, that's what the piece is going to be about. But, but you watch the summer league and you're sitting there going, okay, I can already see it with Kate Cunningham. I can already see it with Jalen Green. I can already see it with Jalen Suggs. Yes. Um, and, you know, when it comes to second year players, like even like, um, um, who am I thinking of with New York? Uh, like, Obi Toppin. Think yeah, we'll be topping. Like, you watch him and you're like, why is he even playing this much? I'm like, mm-hmm. Obi doesn't even belong out here, he's dominating so much, you know. So, it, it it's already interesting to see like which rookies are going to come in, have an impact, like we hope, but also can the second year guys make that leap, you know. And I think you're going to see that. And, and I think there were some other guys too, you know, even that guy drafted a little bit later you know, that are going to have an impact. And, you know, I, we're going to talk about some of the things that we like that teams have done, you know, this offseason. And I'll, I'll jump ahead a little bit because one of the teams I really like that, you know, last year were kind of making fun of them. But I like what the Houston Rockets have done and going out to get Jalen Green, what he's done. And then they go out and they get Singoon, who, I mean, he's not going to be like the fast up-tempo style that you might see with the Rockets because he is kind of a slow old school, traditional big guy, but that guy can get buckets and he can help you. And I think he's going to help them immediately. And they have Usman Garuba and you saw what Garuba's first play was in FIBA competition, went and went out and, and blocked somebody on USA uh, right away. Very prominent name. Can't think of it off the top of my head, but I just remember that block set, set yeah. waves. I think it was Tatum. I think it was Jason Tatum that he blocked. And even look <laughs> at somebody like uh, Luca Garza who goes 52nd overall to Detroit. And you, this guy looks like he's going to have, he's going to have some kind of impact. And two way contract for him, you know, good for Luca Garza too, because uh, you know, a lot of people question uh, his, his lateral movement, his uh, lack of agility and thought it would hold him back. But this guy went out and earned a two way contract just based on how he played in several league. And for somebody that was so respected uh, at the college level at Iowa, you know, to do what he did and to kind of already prove his doubters wrong. Um, it's a really good story. So that, you know, good on him on that one. You know, you mentioned all the, the, the two, the, you know, the second year players. What about the third year players? They're, they did not play at summer league. 
but those guys that could possibly take the next leap too. You know, uh, we did a, a roundtable basketballnews.com about who they think the next breakthrough player is going to be. Everybody, and I know he's going into year four, I believe it is now, uh, you know, picked OG Ananobi. Um, I went with Darius Garland. Um, there, there are quite a few uh, players that will have a role significantly step up because of either how their team's off seasons went or because it's just their time to do it. Uh, so is there anybody in your mind uh, that's going to take that next leap? And then I'll, I'll get to Garland and tell you what I like about him. I mean, I do like the pick of OG just because, I mean, we, we've it was seen like six out of eight people that picked him too i was like damn you know just you can see the little parts of it i mean that and, and i feel like he's going to be unleashed a little bit more now with the raptors you know they don't have kyle lowry they don't have some other guys that are going to demand the ball as much so it's kind of like they're going to need him to you know step up a lot more i think one of the guys that i'm going to be most interested in in seeing if he can make that leap is going to be tyler hero because the Heat are going to need that. I mean, as much as they've made moves this offseason, I mean, to get a bounce back or to get a Tyler Hero that showed those glimpses he did in his rookie year, if they can get him playing that good and more consistently, and I think that's the biggest thing for him is consistency. If they can get that, that's going to just add so much depth to that team and really make them a true contender in the East. I think that that's a good pick. Uh, Alex Kennedy went ahead and picked DeAndre Hunter. Uh, if you've listened to our podcast, you know at length how much I love DeAndre Hunter. It sucked that he got hurt when the Hawks were on the precipice of making an NBA Finals. Um, but somebody that you know was thought to be a typical three and D guy who got a lot better off the dribble. Uh, somebody who is able to create his own shot, create for others, um, and really focused on attacking the rim this year. Uh, I think that a healthy him uh, with this Hawks team who is going to benefit from the experience they got in the playoffs, just like the Suns will, you know, these young teams that were exposed to this environment and to this kind of not only just heartbreak, but also, you know, just being in the moment uh, of a postseason, uh, I think is going to make them a little extra hungry. So, uh, you know, Alex picking DeAndre Hunter there, I think, a really good call. I'll give you another guy, but it's going into his fourth year is Jaron Jackson Jr. Because okay. I, mean, yes. I just yes. want to see him get healthy because obviously he missed almost all of last year. But we keep waiting to see more of him and John Morant coming up and growing together and leading this Memphis team. And, you know, we, we saw it a couple of years ago. We could really start to see the chemistry between the two. And unfortunately, you know, Triple J has been injured so much. But if he can stay healthy, you know, and we can see the growth between those two guys and really be the foundation for the Grizzlies, who are a team that I think a lot of people kind of have on the radar and as a kind of a, not a sleeping giant necessarily, but as a team that you can see um, the building blocks there. And it's kind of you, you got to be on the lookout you know, for them because they might have something and they might only be a piece or two away with the West kind of taking maybe a little half step back and the Grizzlies having a couple of really young players that they can stay in the court and grow together. Um, you know, they could really start, you know, making some inroads and getting the playoffs some more. And let's just say this too. And Evan Sider, he did a good article 
that, you know, people may disagree with it because obviously Dylan Brooks was an incredible uh, postseason player last year or, or, you know, down the stretch and then in the play-in games, I should say. Um, but there have been rumors about Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson and potentially being made available. Reason being, the Grizzlies have like 19 or 20 guaranteed contracts. Yeah. Which you can't keep all those guys. <laughs> uh, so somebody is going to be on the move there. It's just who is it going to be and for what is it going to be? And if you do tend to, to sell off a piece, a, a very valuable player uh, like a Dylan Brooks and somebody who I think is an underappreciated player in Kyle Anderson, you can probably get a solid return for that. And the Grizzlies, I think all they need to do is just add that secondary score, uh, consistent scorer, I should say, because they do have Dylan Brooks. But Dylan Brooks, uh, as Evan mentioned, um, is very, very prone to taking a lot of shots. And you want that to kind of be more evenly distributed. And you want somebody to be able to play like Dylan Brooks when it comes to having that dog mentality that never say die, I'm going to keep shooting. I don't care if I'm one for 13, I'm going to continue to shoot continue to shoot, continue to shoot. That's a good thing. Uh, but when he takes possessions away by being too much of a quote-unquote chucker, um, and that offensive shot chart is on that article I just told you about by Evan, um, then you have like legitimate questions of, is this the long-term fit for him? And I think a lot of teams can use somebody with the mentality that Dylan has. And Dylan's a great defender too. Let's not forget that. But you want to be able to, to balance the offense a little bit more. You don't want someone taking, you know, 20 shots a game when they're shooting 51.5% true, true shooting. Like that's not going to cut the, you know, cut the cheese there. So yeah. I think that it might be wise for them to sell them off, uh, but we'll see. Now, I don't know what they're going to be looking for or like who they who they could possibly get for him? No players. Like I got that they they can't take a player back necessarily. They're probably just looking for picks because their roster is bloated. I was gonna say yeah, they can't and, really unless they're doing like three for one trades or something. Yeah, no, I was gonna say the roster's already. <laughs> it's too That's full. why I'm losing my train of thought because I'm just like, if you already have 19 or 20 guys, what are you gonna do? Like you're gonna cut a couple guys and, and you're gonna try to them? trade a couple guys. Yeah, I was gonna say you gotta trade them. You gotta get draft capital. You gotta do whatever you have to do. Yeah. Real quickly, so, I'll, I'll mention yeah. one other guy that I'm on the lookout for next year is Jonathan Isaac, because I think mm. there's a lot of promise there. I mean, the, the magic, I mean, it's just, it's going to be another rough year for the Orlando magic, but it's based on promise of young guys and can they get some of the younger guys back and playing well? And can they develop, you know, when you've got Suggs now, I think that for him to fall on their lap, I think at number five in the draft was huge. And um, was it five that he fell to, or was it, is that what they picked? Uh, yeah, five. Yeah. Um, but to to have Suggs, if you can get Isaac back, and if he can be healthy and kind of grow on what he's gotten, we'll see what happens with Markel Foles. You know, say, so, that's another that's another plug for your boy. Okay, five diminishing roles. Took a look at five players whose roles may be scaled back. That's also on basketballnews.com. Well. Cole and Markel Fultz is on that list. Yeah, <laughs> Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony should both be on that list in Orlando Magic because they have uh, eight point guards. Y- yeah, they they used to not it's have any point it's guards. Like, it's more like five, but yeah, they used to have nobody at the point guard in, in Orlando, and now they've they have got point everybody. guards and bigs. 
Yeah, they, have, they don't have any there's, wings. There's no wings. There's nobody in between. It sounds like the Cavs here. Yeah, basically. So it's it's kind of crazy in Orlando. But uh, so since it's been a while since we've actually caught up here, and because there has been so much that's going on, you know, it's going to be kind of some broad strokes or some generalities here. But since we're we're catching up here on the podcast. I guess we should talk a little bit now as we're removed from the draft and we're removed from free agency and probably most trades for a while. Maybe there could be something that could happen before uh, camps or before uh, preseason begins. But as we're kind of removed and we can kind of look at everything a little bit more, what teams in your mind kind of stood out for what you'd like to what they did this offseason? So, well, one, Lowry Markkinen still doesn't have a home. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that's crazy, is it not? Um, well, nobody wants to, to go be- too hog wild for him, and I don't – that's a weird situation, though, because I don't know what teams want to step up to get him and what he would have to offer, and would Chicago match or is Chicago looking to deal him? So We'll, we'll name the, 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 the free agents that are, you know, available, uh, you know, towards the end, but just – like you said, pretty much everything's wrapped up at this point. Yeah. So best, best off season that it's hard. I think, I think I like what the wizards did and I'm just going to go with the same. I'm going to go with the same thing I said in the round table. You're going to make me laugh because I they have the reconstructed, same team. They reconstructed their roster and it <laughs> like, it literally happened out of nowhere. It happened out of nowhere. You know, they got rid of Russell Westbrook. They're like, okay, what's the return? Kyle Kuzma, Kentavious, Caldwell Pope, Montrez Harold. Cool. Start there. Then they go out and they get Spencer and Dinwiddie. That's a solid four to bring in. Okay. And now you have you have the growth of Rui Achimura. That's obviously not a move, but still, you have the growth of Rui Achimura. You have the growth of Daniel Gafford, a returning Thomas Bryant, a brand new head coach in Wes Unsell Jr. I like how they retooled. They added Corey Kispert. I don't know how much minutes he's going to get because of Denny Avdia, but we'll see if Avdia cuts back from his injury that he had last year. Um, very underrated ad of Aaron Holiday, who was barely used in Indiana, who I think is a solid defensive player um, and is good at finding others. Um, They've got and potential in Daniel Gafford. You know, yep. can can Bertans get back to playing better than he did, you know, you know, get back to a couple of years ago after getting the contract. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if they're really a, even a playoff team, but I give the wizards credit from the standpoint of what we looked at them a couple of years ago to what their roster is now, because it feels like it's a more well-rounded roster. It feels like a real NBA team. It doesn't feel like heavy on one end or another, you know, a couple guys that had really bloated salaries that didn't allow them to do some of the things that they needed to do. And they're getting their money's worth out of those salaries. I mean, they, they did with, they came to Westbrook, but they were so backcourt heavy with him and Beal. And then now they still got Bradley Beal, which is a big question mark. You know, we'll see what happens there. Some people want to make it into a question mark. Some others maybe don't, but you look Including at that Beal probably at this point. Exactly. <laughs> but you look at the way that roster is constructed now and you sit there and go, Okay, that feels a little bit more normal. Like we can, maybe we can build on this. We we we've got something here, and then you know there's there's a lot of things that they can do from like developing this team to 
potential trades when that it's going to be tougher considering that the Eastern conference has just gotten so much better and deeper now, but yes, it did. I feel better about the wizards that I have in a little while when it comes to the way that they've constructed this roster so far. They have a balance, man. They're going to play a little defense. Now they've got some, they got a little bit more size. They've got some versatility now, you know, I, you know, Call me crazy, but I think that Kyle Kuzma being able to breathe a little easier in D.C., no championship expectations. I know you, everyone, every team wants to win a championship, but for to be out of the bright lights and to be in a brand-new environment, I think Kuzma is going to thrive. I think KCP is going to thrive. Like would, would Kuzma just let him be the starter? I know they've got kind of multiple wings there in that position, but let Kuzma kind of cook a little bit. And then KCP, you – you don't want him really guarding guys that are bigger than him. But when it comes to guys his size or smaller, he's a really, really good defender. And he he's a pro's pro. And you add those two guys on the defensive end alone because Kuzma has gotten a lot better defensively. And that's going to help because this team – when was the last time the Wizards played defense? I mean yeah. – I know. That's what it, I'm thinking. It's been a while. Myself. So now the, you've, you're adding a couple of guys that have won a championship and – you know, have, you know, kind of taken some pride in playing defense. You know, Hachimura is going to play defense. You're going to have some other guys that are playing hard and hustling and, you know, and, and we still know that they've got, you know, a superstar on that team and Bradley Beal, who's still going to be their go-to guy. And I, I'm, I'm really, really, I want to see what happens with the, the Montrez Harold Daniel Gafford thing. Because once again, they're going to have a, a, a three-way carousel at center. Whenever Thomas Bryant gets back, that is. Don't forget that. But um, the, I don't know if one of those two won't be traded by the deadline. Because if Thomas Bryant comes back and he's himself, then you have yourself uh, kind of a logjam again, similar to what happened with Robin Lopez there, uh, Alex Len. You know, they had a revolving door there yeah. in that position. But so there's the Wizards. Um, I'll tell you a team that's yeah, an I'll obvious team one. that mm-hmm. I think had a really good offseason, but it's pretty obvious why. And that's the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. Because yes. you look at the guys that they're locking up, you know, locking up Durant, you know, expect them to probably lock up Harden and, and Kyrie Irving. And they go out, they get Patty Mills, which is going to help them. The most they, underrated move of the offseason. Right. They draft Cam Thomas, instant bucket. You know, they bring back Blake Griffin on a minimum deal again. Um, you've still got some other younger guys that you can build on. You still got Bruce Brown. Um, you're building on, you know, Nick Claxton. You know, you you still got that team together. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, and if they just stay healthy. I mean, last year was the big question mark. Can those three stars play together? And they proved that they can. It's just a matter of staying healthy. And if they do that this coming season, I mean, that, that's why so many people are picking them to be not just the favorites in the East, even though that's where the defending champions are, but the favorites to win the whole thing. Their one misstep for me was losing out on Jeff Green. I think that's going to be a, a, a move that might come back to haunt them, but they did bring in James Johnson. Um, so you get somebody that's just kind of a little, you know, more rugged, <laughs> but, uh, you know, kind of does the similar stuff. Um, and is a little bit more inconsistent in that regard, but I do like what the, the Nets did. And did you see Cam Thomas at summer league? My God, that, that guy was can care. 
remember <laughs> going into the draft, what did everybody say about him? Like this dude, say what you will, but he's instant office. And then he fell to where he did in the draft, you know? And I'm, I was kind of like, I mean, he goes to number 27 and the Nets get him. And there was some talk that maybe he was going to be drafted, you know, high twenties. And he didn't, and he fell to the nets. And I'm like, okay, how does he fall? Like what's going on here? And then you're like, let's, let's see him in summer league. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's something that there's a little bit too much hype with him. And yes, pump your brakes. It's summer league, but at the same time, it's just like, Whoa, okay. Now we can see why everybody was talking him up before the draft. And I don't know why he fell that far. And he just fell right under the nets lap. So now they've got a guy that who knows how much playing time he's going to get. I think he'll get some, obviously, off the bench of that team. It might might be very limited because of, you know, you know how deep that team is and their aspirations. But, like, to have a rookie with that kind of potential that you can bring off the bench, even if you're only playing him for, you know, 10 or 12 you know, minutes a game, and you know you're probably going to get some buckets out of that guy, I mean, that that's a plus. Absolutely. And – you know, you want to talk about toughness and, you know, a team that gets killed for not playing defense. You bring in DeAndre Bembry, you bring in Javon Carter, who was the biggest nuisance in the world at West Virginia. I know that he's been on two different teams now and it hasn't had a role, but this is a team that I think Javon Carter can really make his, his mark on if he gets an opportunity, especially on those off nights during the regular season, shows what he's capable of on the defensive end. Uh, that could also make a case for playing time. So, um, but was there I, any? any no, other I, I loved that, the, the Nets yeah. all season. I was going to say, was there any other team that that stood out to you and in, in moves that they made? Because, uh, like I said at the beginning, I, I, it, it I, felt like it felt like the power brokers kind of remained atop the NBA. I don't, I don't know what team might have said we weren't in contention last year, but we're going to be this coming year. I, I mean, in that frame, I'm going to say the Bulls. I'm just, I, I'm not as optimistic as a lot of people are about the Bulls' moves. I love that they showed that, okay, we're committed to Zach Levine. He, this is going to be our guy. We're trying to lock this dude up, make sure he doesn't. But they didn't uh, give him the extension, and now they can't till after the season. I was going to say, and he's going to be the prime sought after free agent in 2022, a class that's dried up since because there's been long-term extension after long-term extension. Um, and Evan Sidery actually wrote about that for us at basketballnews.com. But as far as the Bulls moves, really, really proactive, okay? Love the Lonzo Ball move. Alex Caruso, solid move for, you know, a bench piece. Now we're getting a little bit... I love DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan is one of my favorite players in the league. Love his attitude. Love his commitment to getting better and expanding his game. He's been one of the better playmakers in the league for the last like three years. Um, and a lot of people don't know that because the last image they remember of DeMar DeRozan was, you know, him chucking, 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 um, and then getting traded for Kawhi and then stop paying attention to him. DeMar DeRozan is really solid at putting the ball on the floor and finding his teammates. Um, he's also still going to pull up from mid range. That's his thing. You got to let him do what he does, which is why I'm not so thrilled about the fit because him and Zach Levine have very similar games. Now, Zach Levine turned into a three point shooter. Yes, but Zach Levine is a three level scorer. 
you know, so Zach's going to be penetrating. Uh, DeMar DeRozan's going to be penetrating. You know who won't? Probably Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball will stay out there on the perimeter, catch, shoot. That's what he's going to do. He's also, you know, as we know, uh, a solid passer, but somebody that doesn't like to drive to the rim or at least take shots at the rim. Um, you have Nick Vucevic that's going to be hanging out there on the on the perimeter, you know. Um, I, I like this team. I don't know if I like them as a championship contender or as an Eastern Conference championship contender quite yet. Well, I'm intrigued by the team, but here, here's one of the questions I have, okay? You want to go out, you get DeRozan. And I think he's got to be the starting point guard, which feels a little bit weird. But like you said, he's become a really good play, playmaker. Is Lonzo last or years. Zach going to bring yeah, the ball you know, up too? You know, it's you not know, gonna, there's not going to be one person. Right. It could be yeah. like, Lon, you know, sometimes Lonzo brings the ball up. Sometimes DeMar brings the ball up. Whatever. It's not going to be a traditional point guard situation there. But I want to know, and good for DeMar for getting paid, who else is going to offer him that kind of money? Is kind of what I wonder about when it comes to that. Now, some of these things are kind of, you know, these, you know, behind the scenes dealings and promises made with agents. And that might've been done, you know, when it comes to him getting paid a long time before that deal actually went down, it just seemed like a lot because he got three years and 85 million. So, I mean, we're talking what 28 million a year. That seemed like a lot for a guy that we were wondering, like, where's he going to get paid this off season. But the other thing is too, when I look at the Eastern conference and I look at how deep it is right now, and I can sit there and I say, I'm intrigued by Chicago Bulls. Okay. But if I rattle off the 10 teams that were in the playoffs or the play-in game in the East, the Sixers, the Nets, the Bucks, the Knicks, the Hawks, the Heat, the Celtics, the Wizards, the Pacers, and the Hornets, who's slipping out of that 10 for even the Bulls to get into the playoffs? Oh, see, I'm not going to go that far. I, I think the Bulls can. <laughs> they're, eat, make, they're making I'm the not, playoffs. They're making it past the play-in. I'll tell I you think that. they will get in the playoffs, but I'm wondering, okay, which team is going to slip out? I, I don't think the Bulls are contenders in the East. but Not in year one. But I don't – I think their ceiling is like the sixth seed if things go right. Oh, little hot takey, little hot takey. But no, I the, the I mean, East. When deep. you look at the East, yeah, no, the East got deeper and they got better. They, that was probably the most proactive conference in free agency, if we're being honest. So, I mean, because when you look at it, like the Heat got better, uh, the Wizards got a little bit better, even though they don't have Russ, and we don't know what other moves they're going to make. The Pacers, we got to see how they rebound from last year. Can they stay healthy? Can the Hornets stay healthy? What are they doing? Are they going to add, you know, something else to that team? You know, I'm, I'm not worried about like Sixers, Nets, Bucks, Hawks. Those are locks, right? You know, they're, they're, they're locks unless there's a major injury. Speaking uh, of which, by the way, congrats to Coach Bud. Three year extension. Just had to drop that little. How little wild is there. that? That guy was on the precipice. Of losing his job. Not only was he going to lose his job in the playoffs in a very public fashion, we already knew, or some people believe they knew, who was going to replace him. Like, all right, the Bucks are going to lose this game. They're Can out they of the fly playoffs. Rick Carlisle out to Milwaukee. Yep. Yep. Like, <laughs> Bud, you're fired. Rick Carlisle, you're in. Like, boom, boom, boom. And then next thing you know, they survive. They win that series. They win the championship. All hail, Coach Bud. Three year extension. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, good for him. But that, that was just a quick side note. But you're right, though. The rest of the East got better. They're, it's tough. But, it's tough. but the, the Bulls had to get better to keep up with them. 
you know, absolutely. And, and, and they are taking big swings because they made that, that trade for Vooch. That's a big swing. Uh, You go out there and you spend the money you did on Lonzo and especially on DeMar. Those are big swings and they've used up enough draft capital too, where it's like, we're going for it and they're going for it in kind of a a non-traditional way, shall we say. Before we get into, you know, who um, another team that was proactive that we have to touch on is the Knicks. And it kind of happened out of nowhere. It, it They were pretty quiet except for on day one when they went out and traded for Evan Fournier, got him that four-year deal. Pretty lucrative. A lot of people were kind of iffy about the deal that they gave Evan, but Evan's consistently been making money. You know, solid, you know, solid player. Um, maybe a little inconsistent for some people's liking, but with this role that he's going to have in New York, I think as a predominant uh, you know, maybe third scorer, if, if that, uh, then, then I think it's a solid role for him. Uh, but Somebody saw him playing for Team France before they upped that, that money that he got. It's like the Cavs, too, with, with Rubio when he scored 38. <laughs> but uh, no, so they have Evan Fournier. They go out, they draft Quentin Grimes, which, by the way, uh, I think is going to come in and, and shoot the lights out for them. Um, but they go out after Oklahoma City buys out Kemba Walker and they get Kemba Walker on the cheap. Eight million a year. And how about that? You know, this is somebody that a lot of people were polarized over uh, because of, of what he's made in the past. Uh, he's kind of been that almost there but not there type of all-star uh, because of his injury history and uh, just, you know, bad situations, And I guess you could call it. Um, but this is a good move for the Knicks. I think that him coming home to Madison Square Garden is going to give him a little bit of a jolt. Uh, we all know what Kemba's capable of when he's healthy. Key point, when he's healthy. But I think that a 75% version of Kemba Walker is better than anything they've had at point guard uh, in, in you know some time. So, you know, just coming out of his prime, I guess, at 31 Maybe still in it. Who knows? Uh, it all depends on that knee. To help bring somebody in who can take a little bit of that playmaking off of Julius Randle, who was pretty much doing everything for them, um, I think is a good move. And, you know, and you have depth at that point guard position now, man. You have depth in the backcourt. You have Kimball Walker. You have Derek Rose. You have Emmanuel Quickly. Now you have Grimes. Uh, if you want to throw a, a wrench into someone's plans, you have uh, Miles McBride to play some defense. But this goes without mentioning R.J. Barrett's going to be going into uh, another year. And he really helped his his playmaking abilities out going into to year three um, and, and also just gradually developing as a scorer and as an all-around player somebody who hasn't even turned, who just turned 21, excuse me. Uh, So I think their core, this mix of youth and veterans, I'm a big fan. And they have Mitchell Robinson coming back too. So what do you think about what the Knicks did? I know that people saw Evan Fournier getting that money and they were like, overpay, what are you doing? 
Uh, but then they go out and get Kemba on the cheap. So I think that it kind of balances itself out if you feel like that. Well, I look at it from this standpoint in that they believe in that roster because they locked up Julius Randle. They, they walk up Derrick Rose. So they're bringing those guys back. And people wondered, like, would this be a team where they say, okay, now the Knicks are kind of back. Are they going to take a step back with that roster? Keep it open to what they can do in the future. And then may, maybe, maybe this coming season wouldn't be as good but then they'd be well positioned the following year. And it's kind of like they're back on the radar and everybody believes like they've got a front office and knows what they're doing. They've got a coach that they can believe in, but instead they said, we believe in these guys. We're going to lock them up right now. I think, I think they position themselves to where if they need to make a move in the future. They can do that with these salaries. The thing that I'm most interested in always when it comes to Tibbs is with his coaching style. And I understand last year was only his first year, but we know how his coaching style can be, and it can be on guys. And, you know, it's only going into his second year, but we've seen the cycle before where you can have a coach who could be hard on guys, and then once guys get paid, you know, how what's that effect going to be on the team? Now, mind you, I think it's a little bit different with this Knicks team because you've got a lot of players that actually care, and I don't think it was so much about everybody wants to get paid, but I don't I don't think you're going to see complacency sit in, but that's, that's the one thing I kind of look at this Knicks team is like, okay, last year you kind of, you've upset some people and you surpassed expectations. Now we're going to expect that again. And can you do it again? But you know, that's another year of chemistry. It's another year with that coach. It's another year of familiarity. You bring in guy like a, like Kemba, if he can be healthy and what he can add to the table, RJ's got another year of experience under him you bring in you know Obi Toppin can he contribute this coming year so there's a lot of positives to look at when it comes to the Knicks I think so too I think so too and we didn't talk about Kemba's former team the the Celtics who had a rather odd offseason uh you know head coach is now the GM but you know give Brad Stevens credit I think that he hasn't gone out and recklessly spent or recklessly traded he's just kind of made these moves here and there uh, really the, 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 well, he got rid losses. of Kemba immediately. I was going to say, but he's kind of made these moves around the edges and is handing the keys to Marcus smart for now, for now, for now. um, as the point guard. But as again, I feel like I'm saying this a, a ton because Evan's been killing it for us at basketball news, but he just wrote an article last night about how the Celtics have positioned themselves to go star hunting because of the value of these contracts. So, we have one that uh, was Josh Richardson had a $12 million extension. Um, Dennis Schroeder's uh, deal is a one year uh, for what? 6.5. Was it uh, 5.9? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Marcus smart just got extended. As I just mentioned, uh, Robert Williams, my goodness, you know, good for him getting paid. I think it was four years, 54 million. Uh, so, but they've got multiple guys now that have yeah. the, that kind of mid-range contract where before smart was the only one, it was either they had the two guys basically on high end deals and smart had the middle and everybody else was low. And now they've got a bunch of mid size contracts that they can pile together to go star hunting. Like you said, they'll have to put picks and everything in there. And you know, the question I think would be like, what would the cost be for a star and do they have an attractive enough a package? And does that mean that they have to throw in one of their two stars? I think that that's what they're trying to avoid because you know, the, the, the hypothetical is the smart Richardson and, and time Lord Robert Williams. 
uh, would be an enticing package for somebody. Um, but that's, you know, that's obviously the hypothetical. And if you can't put a move like that together, then you didn't hamper yourself cash stays wise. So, uh, you know, the five guys that they added over the summer uh, are Cantor, Enos Cantor's back, um, Dennis Schroeder on that one-year deal, which, by the way, at 6.5, yes, absolutely. What a absolutely. deal. What, what a steal. By and the way. Sorry people, to Schroeder, but. People want to make fun of Dennis the entire offseason because of he turns down the $84 million at the Lakers thinking he's going to get $100 million. It doesn't happen. And you know what? People can grouse and make fun of him and, you know, he bet on himself and his agent gave him bad advice and whatever. Okay. And and I know there's some people that will talk about like, uh, maybe he's not the best teammate. I don't, I don't know if he is or is it. I know he can play. I know he can contribute. He can help a team. So to get him on the cheap like that, that's a hell of a deal. It is. It is uh, one year, 6.5 for somebody of his uh, experience and his abilities. And they're going to bring that off the bench. That's a great, great. And he's not going to argue about that either, because what was the big thing when he went to LA? Oh, I'm going to come here. I got to start. I got to start. And they, they, they acquiesced. They let him start during the regular season in Boston. They're like, Hey man, he couldn't find another home. Got to so, eat a little. Got to eat a little bit of humble pie. That's he all. does, but you know what? It's a great fit for him, and to come off the bench and reestablish his market. I mean, I don't know if he's ever going to get that kind of money that he was offered before. He's going to be offered more if he plays well here, and I totally expect it. But once again, here's another team that's going with a non-traditional kind of starting point guard. You know, because yep. they're committing to Marcus Smart in that position. But and they know but, that that Tatum can play make a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they've got other playmakers. Jalen Brown can a little bit, too, you know. So I I think with the Celtics, it's can you get better chemistry and get back on track with your two stars there and Tatum and Brown? And then if you're gearing up for a bigger move, what is that bigger move going to be? Because there's two obvious players that are out there. One's in Washington and Bradley Beal. And I am still not convinced that he wants to go anywhere that he will ever ask to leave. And the wizards will ever pull the trigger on that. A lot of pundits just kind of pushing that, that, that I know. Can, can I point this much. out too? Can I go in a little bit of a rant about that? Okay. Oh, go for it. Side note, sidebar, sidebar I, from Brian. I got to do this. Okay. This takes me back to my sports talk radio days. Okay. What do we talk about so many different times in sports? Oh, stay loyal. Why, why are guys always wanting to move around? They got to join a super team. They got to go do this. They got to go do that. Why can't they be loyal to their fan base? Why can't they stay where they, where they got drafted? Why can't they be there long-term? And then we get somebody like a Bradley Beal who loves the DC area, who loves the team. He's been there since he got drafted. He's been loyal to them. He's never once said, I want to get traded. He's never been the guy that said, I got to get out of here. I'm not saying that he's not going to. And if he if he did that after all these years, if he said, hey, I think it would be better if I left and I got traded, I think he's earned that right. And I don't begrudge athletes that do that, okay? But I'm looking at from from a fan perspective of how many times we talk about that. And now we've got a guy in Bradley Beal who is staying loyal, that wants to stay with that team, that wants to help build it, you know? And what does everybody say? Get the hell out of there, Brad. You got to go, 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 go. Everybody's going to find a different home for Bradley Beal. And I'm like, can we just chill a little bit? The dude wants to stay there. Can we not like, uh, you know, praise him for that? 
a little bit that this is a guy that says, no, 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 I don't, I want to be the guy that stays. Well, that's, you know, the Damian Lillard thing, right? Because right. Damian Lillard, that's the thing that's starting to circulate around him a little bit. Well, that, that's the whole thing with Dame too. I'm like, if Dame came out and said, I've been here long enough. I think the time has come. I think it'd be best for both sides if I moved on and you traded me. Fine. It's not like he's only been there for two years or three years. And, and it's not like he is going to raise a stink about it. I think he'd be very professional about it. But he's been there long enough. He's given them the time. And if he says that, and if he goes to the team, I can understand it. But at the same time, if he says, I'm in it for the long haul, I want to make it work here in Portland. I've made a home here. I love the franchise here. I love the fan base here. And I want to stay and I want to find a way to make this work and make us a winner here in Portland. Good for him. Love it. Yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of fans want. I also understand the other side of the coin. Um, but I mean, but, but, but no, but I see what you mean. And I think I've gone on a very similar rant at some point of this podcast. I believe it was about Zion Williamson about, let them do their, let them do them, you know, let them do them. If they want out, sure. You know, if they don't want out, then stop telling them they want out even when they don't want out. Right. <laughs> you know, like, and, I mean, and I get it too, from a standpoint of this is what we do as fans. This is what we do as pundits is we're always like, Oh, what if this guy went to here? We can make that trade work. Or what about this? Or what about that? But we can sit here and kind of, guess and prognosticate i guess but at the same time i'm not going to tell anybody like get out of dodge push him out or anything i mean he wants to be loyal to a team and i don't we we can question what the wizards have done with their front office and everything i think it's better i think it's a little bit more stable now plus you've got new representation there so give them a chance and same with portland i mean but i mean I'll say it again. Those guys want to leave. They've been there long enough. They've earned that right. And they can tell them, but at the same time, if they want to stay, I'm not trying to push them out the door and I'm not trying to find a new home for them. You know, it's, it's always fun to talk about who could go where and blah, blah, blah. But like, I give a lot of credit to guys who say, I want to be loyal to the team that drafted me. I want to stay here. I love this franchise and I want to try and make it work. It's the BS like when Cade Cunningham gets traded or gets drafted by the Pistons and then people are just like, oh, is he going to still be there, you know, two years, three years? Like, people were doing that with Zion the second he got drafted. He has a step foot on the freaking court. Like, come on, man. Come on. Can we get All back right. to the good old, you know, trash talking days of the NBA when you get like somebody like a Jalen Green who was already trash talking the city of Detroit? Like, oh my goodness! I love it, that. You know, he is leaning in. He is leaning into that. My goodness, it's wonderful. I, it's it's really funny. So you know, people like go back and they they look at his old quote and they're like, "Yeah, I want to live in Detroit." <laughs> and as soon as he got taken by the Rockets, he's like, he's like uh, "Oh yeah, Detroit, that scumbag city." Yeah, geographically. Now, granted, I do not like city bashing. As somebody that lives in a small market, I think it's stupid i think it's low i don't like that there is this elitism um in our industry about how the nba has basically three four cities and that's it i don't like it i don't think it's right and if you look at the nfl on the mlb that uh none of it really matters over in those markets but i will say this jalen green stuff is just funny because he's playing along with the gimmick he's playing exactly. along with it and he's a kid too 
Let's not forget, he's 19 years old. And by the way, the, the only city to ever trash is that scumhole city of Tampa, Florida. I mean, that place is a cesspool of nothingness and horrible, you know, you don't, People nobody needs to go there. Tampa, good God. Don't, don't. I'm Tampa, I'm telling you, man, it is the armpit of the United States. I'm just, I'm just telling you right now, man. Isn't like, that, where, what, isn't that what, where USF is? Uh, yes, exactly. That's Which, exactly where USF is. That take, horrible, that, horrible that takes college. another step for me because I, I, I am a graduate of the University of Central Florida, a proud graduate. I am still a member of the radio broadcast team there behind the scenes. I have been a part of that for 14 years and our rival, the scumbags in Tampa, the USF Bulls. But that's not the major reason why I don't like Tampa. Every time I've gone to Tampa, it's like, get in, get out, because otherwise something bad's going to happen. You do not want to <laughs> hang out there too long. I'm just telling you right now, it is a cesspool. It is the most icely of the United States. You will never find, you know, I can't even remember the line from Star Wars, but it's like the most icely cantina. It's driving me nuts. I can't even remember the line now, um, but it's just like. Tampa, man, I can't handle that place. I cannot. Oh, man. I hope you will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. That's the line. Okay. That's Tampa, Florida. Oh, I hope Alex Kennedy is listening to that proud USF grad, Alex Kennedy. That is. Oh, jeez. Oh, that's funny. All right. What what um, did he get a free ride or something? That's why he went there. No comment. I don't know. He was just happy. He was, <laughs> we were talking about that at our hotel too when we were in Vegas. I can't believe uh, we I couldn't talking, remember that damn line though from the we, movie. It's freaking Star Wars. Come me on. Me and Alex were talking about when they were ranked number two in the nation in football. Oh God, that lasted you know, a couple like, weeks. Who the hell was on that team? It was crazy. Uh mm. but no, let so let's get into uh, a few teams that we didn't like, and then we'll get into one piece of news and then we'll get out of here. I got so, one team in particular I did not like. Because because when we mentioned the Bulls, by the way, we didn't say we didn't like it, but we just didn't. We said we didn't agree with how far they were taking it. I think it's intriguing, but yeah, yeah, it's intriguing, but not to the effect of what the hell are they doing? Now, so who's your what the hell are they doing team? To me, the easy answer there is the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't know what the hell is going on there. You look at last year. And they make the Drew Holiday trade, but they had to take on Eric Bledsoe. And we were like, oh, boy. And they went out and they traded for Steven Adams and gave him an extension. And we're like, how does he fit in this team? You know, especially with a team that you think would want to play up-tempo and do everything to build around Zion and Brandon Ingram. And a year removed from that, they've changed coaches. They have had to they traded Bledsoe and they traded Steven Adams and they had to give up draft capital to do that as well. And I look at their team and I'm like, okay, what have you really added? And by the way, they gave up one of their best players for nothing for nothing. When they gave up Lonzo. Yeah. They, they just let Lonzo walk. And I don't know what the disconnect was because Zion publicly advocated for Lonzo. Brandon Ingram publicly advocated for Lonzo. But for whatever reason, early on, everybody said, Lonzo ain't coming back. And then those guys even spoke up saying, we love playing with those guys. You could see chemistry, especially between Lonzo and Zion. And 
you could tell that there was no interest from the Pelicans front office in bringing him back for whatever reason. And they just let him walk. I mean, he was a restricted free agent and they didn't even match the offer. They're like, Nope. Bye. Didn't want to pay him. They did not want and to then pay him. And then they paid Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham, what was it? Four years, somewhere around four or 50 million. I can't remember. Yeah. Something like that, uh, which was a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. They got, um, Jonas Valanciunas, I thought, is actually going to be a good fit next to Zion. I will say that. I yes, think, I think so. Uh, but he's in a contract year, too. He won't have to be in the paint. He can stretch the floor a little bit more. Uh, I know that you think Jonas Valanciunas, and you don't think stretching the floor, but he did shoot pretty decently from deep last year, right. um, and he's somebody that uh, can help defensively there. But Devontae uh, Graham got four years, $47 million. There you go, $47 And, million. and I, I look um, at this, and I'm like, I don't know what they're doing there when it comes to building that roster. With Lonzo, uh, in return, they got Tomas Sautoransky, which will give them a little bit more size at that point guard-ish position. Mm -hmm. uh, Garrett Temple, a really good veteran to bring in. I'll give him that. Yes. Um, a very good veteran to bring in. Uh, a really solid depth piece. I am higher uh, on Trey Murphy than a lot of people. I think Trey Murphy, especially after seeing it at Summer League, uh, just what he's capable of. Um, as a three and D guy, but more than that, I think that uh, obviously his role is going to be three and D with, with the big club, but I think he can develop into something much, much larger than that. I actually had a chance to talk to Trey Murphy, uh, you know, a couple months back before the draft uh, on basketballnews.com. And he was, I loved his personality because he's somebody that's never satisfied. He's somebody that is very critical of himself and he actually gets that from his father. Um, and he, just expect so much of himself. And I think that he just fits that mold of perfect wing in the NBA, just his length, uh, his ability to knock down triples, but also uh, defend, uh, you know, solid players on the uh, defensive end. So um, I, I really look forward to seeing his development with this team and, and how quickly he can make himself into a role player here. But seriously, uh, they, we're they not also bring back Najee Marshall as well. Yeah. That. And, and they're bringing back, um, uh, Josh Hart, who they mm -hmm. just you yep, know, they did bring back, back. But I look at this roster and I'm like, and I look at the moves that have happened over the last couple of years and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. They're putting the keys in the hands of guys like Kyra Lewis Jr. and Nikhil Alexander Walker, you know, and Nikhil, we've seen, we've seen flashes of Nikhil. Let's not kid ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, they have Brandon Ingram. You know how good Brandon Ingram is. Yeah. You obviously know how good Zion is. He's got to stay healthy and play a you know full season but can i, I ask the eternal like. question that i've asked time and time again when it comes to this team and i will ask yeah. it again why did they trade drew holiday why yeah good question i i don't i don't understand the moves this team has made from i got it that they got three number one picks those picks are not that valuable just from the standpoint of where the bucks are going to be. I mean, even before we thought they're going to win a champion or before they won a championship, we thought they're going to be championship contenders. So we already knew that those picks were going to be low twenties already. Okay. But you had to take on a bad contract in Bledsoe to get those three low first round picks. And you already had to turn him, you flipped him around and you, the move that they do with Adams and having to give up more draft capital for that, giving up Lonzo, just 
just I look at the totality of the moves and it just feels like they're throwing stuff up against the wall. And I'm like, when are we, when are we team building here? When are, what's the foundation? I mean, I understand you've got Zion, you've got to start to build around. And, and I do like Brandon Ingram. I have some questions about how those two guys still fit on the court together. But when I look at everything else, I'm like, can we make up our mind and go in a certain direction here? Like what, what's going on? Yeah. They're definitely seeming to be uh, pressing a little bit. Maybe we should ask uh, JJ Reddick because, what's going on. Yeah, maybe mm. he's a free agent still, by the way, he's going to uh, be one for a while. I think say too. he, I, yeah, he's going to take a couple months, I think before he signs with anybody. Same goes with Paul Millsap. I'm thinking, you know, like these, these veteran guys that are on the market. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, we'll, can, and we'll get to those too. Yeah. But um, I mean, want to continue to be, uh, you know, talking about the teams that didn't really make the mark in the off season. And we already brought up Dame. So may as well mentioned Portland <laughs> uh, lost Carmelo, which he was a big time, you know, rotational play for him last year. And the, the, the two years before that, he was in the uh, closing unit. Yeah, he was. And, you know, as much as we, you know, didn't like what he brought on the defensive end. Enos Cantor was also somebody who brought a solid uh, offensive rebounding presence and a, a pick and roll partner uh, off the bench. So now, you, by the way, do they you go think out. That, does Enos Cantor have a home in Boston, another one in Portland, and he just buys two of everything? Because he just goes back and forth between those two markets, between those two teams. I don't know. I mean, he just, how many he times he's gone back? I almost wonder if he buys two of everything. He just keeps one back. in each market. He'll come back to the Blazers and two. <laughs> <laughs> he's been with the Blazers four times, I think. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But their free agency plan was Ben McLemore, Tony Snell, Cody, Cody Zeller, and they paid Norman Powell. As expected, they paid Norman Powell. So they're running it back. They're running it back. They brought in some depth pieces. I do I do like Cody Zeller. I think Cody Zeller is going to be a solid backup for them. But this isn't championship quality move making, you know? So it's tough. That was the big thing we're looking at in the offseason is that we believe that Damon kind of told the front office, like, I'm not asking out. Don't don't mix that up, everybody else out there. Don't read in this. But it, it sounds like they put them on notice. Like, show me what you can do. and. Who knows what kind of communication that they've had. But if you look at the moves that they made so far this offseason, I mean, they're still hampered by what they can do, but they have definitely not made some big flashy move to really upgrade that roster. No, no, they have not. On to another team that I have no idea. And this is a first. They are one of the best run organizations in sports. But what in the hell are the Spurs doing? What are you doing? You have a young core together growing. Okay. You have DeJounte Murray, who you just signed to an extension. You have Derek White, who you signed to an extension. You have Keldon Johnson, who probably will be getting an extension, especially after playing for Team USA. You have Lonnie Walker. You have Jakob Pertle. And yet you still go after some of these free agents and some sign in trades that are going to take away from the playing time of most of these guys. I didn't even mention Devin Vassell. Devin Vassell just got drafted last year, but he's already going to be fighting for playing time with Nug McDermott. 
he's going to be fighting for playing time with Alpha Rukamino. Chandler Hutchison. If Zach Collins is healthy, who's getting the upper hand between him and Jakob Pertl? And they go who's, get who's getting the starting Forbes? job there. Yep. You have Thaddeus Young. What are you doing? Why are you spending that money? Was there a reason to spend that money? Uh, Lonnie Walker is going to suffer for not having you know some playing time now. Uh, you think about Devin Vassell. I'm not worried about Kelton Johnson. Kelton Johnson's going to play 30 minutes a night from you know what I'm predicting. They have Derek White and Dejounte Murray, as I mentioned. But the other head scratcher but, was they go out and they took Josh Primo in the draft 12th overall. Yeah, no, and there's a lot of people that are high on Josh Primo. He's the youngest player in the draft. He did a lot for himself at the NBA Combine. If you read about uh, what ba- what Matt Babcock wrote, and uh, you know they were very high on him. But that's going to take a couple of years. Right. That that's not a but yes, that's have an a impact next project year. pick. Yeah, project pick there. But that that's what I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, Lonnie. Where does where does Lonnie fall into this now? Like, and that's why I'm going to mention it again. Five layer, five players whose roles have diminished are going to diminish. He's in that list, right along with Markel Fultz. Somebody is going to have to lose out on playing time now. You didn't pay Doug McDermott all that money to sit on the bench or to, or to not play. You didn't pay Zach Collins $33 million to not play. So you're just going to take away from the young talent that you're developing. Why? What's the point? I don't know. Do you? It's interesting what's going on with the Spurs because a team that's typically very predictable in what they're going to do have been very unpredictable this off season. And I don't know how that's going to work out on the court. No, I, I, I mean, I love the, you know, the talent that they have. I just, I don't know. A team that had the chance, had the chance to, you know, kind of regroup, play with their young guys, probably not make the playoffs because the West is stacked. You know, maybe regroup a little, regroup a little bit more, uh, play their, their young talent. Like I said, see, I, I, I can't even come up with a thought. I just don't know why you would actively. You know, set your cap like that, and and I'm I'm sure that some of these guys are going to get traded away, like a Thaddeus Young. If he that's doesn't what get it feels out. like, it feels like uh, some of this team or, is acquired to move later. You know, yeah, that that definitely is what it feels like. But I still think it's not a, a bright thing to do when you have these young guys that can use all of that experience. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I mean. Like I said, I the Spurs. I'm I'm not exactly sure what they're doing. <laughs> they they've been very unpredictable, and I I don't know what they feel like. They've got like they got some kind of card up their sleeve yeah. or something. And I I guess we'll have to wait. the The thing that that benefits them is that the West is definitely not as strong as the East, so it's at least a little bit easier to get in the playoffs or at least the play in tournament. A little bit, a little bit. A little All right, bit. let's wrap up off-season stuff yeah you know we haven't touched them yet so i'm just gonna let i'm gonna give you the floor i might say a thing or two lakers go out trade for russell westbrook right off the bat boom 
bring in Carmelo Anthony, bring in Trevor Reza, bring in Kent Bazemore, bring in Wayne Ellington, bring in Malik Monk, bring in Kendrick Nunn, and bring back Dwight Howard. So we talk about retooling over in Washington. This is a, a complete revamp for this team. So I just want your thoughts. I know a lot of people are questioning fit, you know, making fun of ages and stuff like that, but then they, you know, injected some young talent into there. So what are the Lakers thoughts, Laker fans thoughts about this offseason? I think when you look at what the Lakers have done when it comes to the roster, in some ways it's kind of a turn back the clock to the previous year and saying what we did this past year was a little bit of a mistake. Um, and, you know, the way that they got away from the the bigs, you know, when they lost, you know, Dwight, they lost McGee, kind of what they had done uh, with their team. They gave some shooting and Danny Green. They went out and they got Schroeder. And the reason for that was because they wanted to get another, you know, uh, ball handler. They wanted to get another playmaker. It just didn't work out with Schroeder. And they wanted to get back to some of that. But at the same time, I still think they believe that, we need another guy that can be a primary ball handler or playmaker, especially for when those the, we have those moments when LeBron's off the court. And that's why they decided to go the route of the Westbrook trade. Now, mind you, I feel bad for Buddy Heald. That dude thought that he was out of NBA jail and was going to royalty. And, I mean, that was one of the weirdest, what, 90-minute periods I think I've ever seen. It was more uh, like 20 minutes. They probably like, 20 oh, minutes. First, Buddy, Buddy Heald got dealt. It oh, went now from, the, now Russell Westbrook's here. It went from Montrezl Harrell has opted into his deal, setting up the trade for him and Kyle Kuzma to go to Sacramento for Buddy Heald. And everybody's like, oh, my God, one of the best shooters in the league is going to go to the Lakers, and that's exactly what they need. And then the next thing you know, it's like the Lakers are finalizing a deal for Russell Westbrook. And you're like, what, 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 what? It, it was, it was really, really strange. And you know, in the moment I thought the heel deal was better just because of the fit. And I'm a big deal. I, I like having a rounded team, you know? Um, and I, they, you always need shooting, especially in today's day and age. I understand why they went and got Russ though. I totally get it because I think they looked at their offense and when LeBron was off the court and they said, this is a train wreck. And we need another guy that can do that. The question with Russ to me is it's not the fit. I think the fit will be fine. And I think the Lakers have committed themselves to saying Anthony Davis is going to be our starting five and LeBron James is going to be our starting four. I know there's still been some talk about, well, we'll really see about that. Maybe Gasol is going to be the starting five. And now comes word. We don't even know Marcus Gasol is going to be back on this team, but I think the Lakers have committed to using that kind of starting lineup. And the biggest question to me is what is Russell Westbrook going to look like come playoff time? We know regular season Russ. We, we know about how erratic he can be in the final minute or two of a game of a tight game as well. And that's got to be ironed out a little bit too. And I think some of that can come when it comes to LeBron, because you can sit there and say, well, Russ is going to be an alpha dog and he's going to do what he's going to do, you know, because he's Russell Westbrook. But it's a little bit different when you get on a team with LeBron James. It just is because he is, he is the alpha of alphas and that's just the way it's going to be. So, you know, we can sit there and talk about the age 
I think they just have to manage minutes during the regular season. I think that they've done a good job in getting some guys on the cheap and getting some younger talent as well. I mean, I don't know about Ariza, Ariza and Bazemore. That's kind of, we'll see what happens there. But to be able to, you know, they locked up TNT to go out and get, you know, or THT, excuse me, but to go out and get a Malik Monk for as cheap as they got him and to get Kendrick Nunn for as cheap as they got him. I mean, those are huge additions to the team. I know some people even wonder, like, how does Monk fit on this team? Is he going to play? He's going to play. Trust me, he will play. Um, and they go get Mello as well, which is just another one of these veteran guys. Mello's not starting. He's going to be coming off the bench. He's going to have a, a, a role. It's going to be limited, and I think he knows that. Um, or else he wouldn't have gone there. But I'm more open to what they did now that I kind of take a step back and see how it it fits um, than originally. I, th- I still think the biggest question for this team is can they stay healthy, which is always a question. And what is their – how good are they going to be defensively, especially on the wings? Because that's – you know, you lose two of your best wing defenders, you know, in KCP and Kuzma. And you sit there, how do you replace that? Well, people wondered how good defensively they're going to be the first year under Frank Bogle, and they were good. You know, so this is going to be on the coaching staff and getting everybody to play hard and to buy into a defensive mentality. And I'm telling you right now, you can sit there and look at all you want about all the offensive talent they have on that team. Frank Bogle is going to tell them and drill it into their head every second of every day. We are a defensive team first and foremost, and he's going to make them into that. Russ is going to be setting the table. I, I'm interested to seeing LeBron play off the ball again. You know, like that. That's that's my favorite version of LeBron. Honestly, at this particular stage of his career, we know how good of a, a shooter he's become now. Uh, but LeBron cutting with momentum away from the ball, I think, is going to be so solid for this offense, especially because off those cuts, if he catches it on the way to the rim, then he'll have either the option of finishing or if ad is going to be down in the paint or around the dunker spot he's throwing up lobs from there and you know russ is going to be throwing lobs to to ad in transition but you but you get back to having dwight there in that position as well and then i i wonder too when it comes to like the lakers i think the lakers want to run but when they get to that half court offense i'm going to be really curious to see are we going to see more lebron in the post as well okay and that's the thing too when it comes to like saving a little bit of energy but still being efficient that I think that he can capitalize on. No, I mean, he's, you know, you can take advantage of any matchup he has, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I just, because the thought that I had immediately that popped up was who's going to be off ball, who's going to have the ball in their hands more, Russell or, or or LeBron. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, Russell off ball, not quite as effective because he's not a great shooter. He's obviously a good finisher, but he's not somebody that, is typically a cutter. He's typically has the ball in his hands, sets up for other guys. You know, that's his thing. LeBron, he's like a chameleon. He can do whatever the hell you tell him to do. Um, but I think that's where Russ's think, game has to change, yeah. just to just tweak a little bit. Like, I can see him being the guy that brings the ball up, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be initiating the offense. Like and you're he, not you're not going to run Russell Westbrook off dribble handoffs. And, no, no, no. You're like not going to be doing off that. screens. You're not going to do that. But there there will be times where I think Russ. I, I'd be curious to see a Russ Lebron pick and roll where Russ is setting the screen. You know, Russ is setting the screen. 
where Russ is setting the screen. Yes. Okay. Because of the options you could do off of that, you know, and, and vice versa. I mean, even when LeBron is setting a screen, you could definitely do some stuff there, but like um, Russell, Russell will probably get blocked in one of those situations. He's not going to pop out to the perimeter. He's going to go towards the hole or he's going to throw up a lob. But, right. Because that's, that's what I think is the, the secondary offense that can come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Probably would prefer the other one. They, they <laughs> probably, but I mean, they, I think they've also tried to make themselves have more options. And we'll see how that plays out. I mean, there's there's a lot of question marks with that. They've got a lot of depth. I'm not too worried about the age thing. To me, it's it's age over health. You can okay. be older as long as you're healthy, you know. That's true. And and by the way, not that this team needs it, and it's such a dumb thing, but I look at it as a dumb thing, but some people will feast off of this. I think this is a team too that will, especially with the when it comes to LeBron and Russ in particular and how they take every word to heart, this is a team that already has a chip on their shoulder because of the age thing. And it's not going to work and blah, 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 blah. Wash King because no one picked (laughs) him to be, no one picked him as an up and coming player. And that's 37 years old. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Some elite athletes, AKA Michael Jordan, um, look for those little things just to have you that have to invent thing. things to get motivation. Exactly. And that's, that's what's going on here. And if that's what it takes to get them motivated, to give them that extra little edge, you know, then, then so be it, man. If that's what gets you over the hump, the media, the media, the media, mm-hmm. that's what it is. And for that, I give them, uh, the, uh, was bulls security, uh, shrug. <laughs> Generalize <laughs> all of us, please do, because we all think the same. Remember that. <laughs> oh, yes. We all do. That's we all, just a, that's all just in the a, same way. Sorry, that's just a pet peeve of mine, man. We say the media, the media. Okay. <laughs> no, when you say the media, you're talking about the freaking king, the four-letter network over in Bristol. That's what yeah. you're talking about. You're talking about the other network that's in Los Angeles that's competing with the four-letter network in Bristol. You're not talking about everybody, but generalizations you know they have to do it they got to lump us all in together so if somebody sees me with a check mark next to my name on twitter they automatically think that i'm in that line of thinking but that's not true yeah don't don't put me in the same conversation with uh no heart hot take artists okay no please no no yeah all right it's just it's like these preseason lists man they piss me off just like everybody gets in a tizzy gets all upset because their team isn't in the top 10 of it's like who cares? Dude, if somebody it's somebody's team. opinion. It's got nothing. It's literally, it's literally not affecting anything. There, yeah. it's inconsequential. There's nothing active coming out of that. It's somebody's opinion. And most of the times, the people's opinions that go round and round and round in social media are people that don't even have connections in NBA circles. These are people that don't. These are people that don't talk to executives or players or anything like that. It's bloggers. Well, half the time, there's, there's people on over. TV that are saying stuff just to get a rise out of everybody. It's not because exactly. they they're believe it. They're, they're doing it just to get clicks and get views and, and whatnot. So. Or if they do it, or if they do it, they're just doing it because it's a hobby of theirs. And it, right. that's fine. I'm not trying to yeah, tell anybody not to like do something. Said, but it's, but it's the general re- the reaction to those things... Drives me insane. Yeah. You know why? Because they do it every single effing year. And it happens every single off season. And yet we still react the same way as if we haven't seen it before, which makes zero sense. How can you not learn from the past? I was like, 
Okay, these preseason lists, we see them every single year. Have we not learned from the last four or five times that these things just come out and get a rise out of everybody and get everybody upset? I'm upset that people get upset because they're dumb enough to go along with it. And to actually think that it affects anything, it affects nothing. It, perception. Oh, no. Some te- somebody, some random writer is perceiving my team as to not being the top 10 of uh, in this list. Oh, no. That means my, my team's in danger. No. Makes zero sense. If you know your team is going to be good and you really understand the, the game, who cares where they're ranked? I can share my opinion. I can share my opinion who I think that the, the the top ten players of all time are, and I guarantee you, I just get a wind fire of sure. Oh, what about what about what about what about? But okay, the, but that's my opinion. That's that, that's my opinion. Don't react to it as if it's rooted in fact. Right. It's it's just an opinion. Like if if you really if you understand the game, of course, be passionate and root for your team. But you know if your team is going to be good and if your team is going to be bad, you know it. You know it right now, okay? I'm not going to name the markets. We know which ones are going to be bad going into next season. That doesn't mean that their fans shouldn't be passionate about it and root for their team. But you know what? You're going to be down on the list. And for the for people that really believe their team has a chance to contend, who cares if they're ranked fourth or eighth or 12th or whatever? It's Dude, preseason rankings. It's Chill when out. somebody uses that as a measuring stick of where a franchise is at, too. I'm just like, What? Makes no sense. Oh, told you so. Why? Because they're not on a list of 10 teams that somebody wrote at a random media outlet. Like, makes no sense. And yes, that's a subtweet in talking on a podcast, but I don't care. It's just stupid. It's stupid and it's a soapbox. How how, how did we not call this the soapbox? Why do we go on too many rants? We we go on some. I'm not saying it's too many. I'm I'm gonna take we go that. on some. We go on some. Um, I I know we're getting towards the end here, but I did want to mention uh, one more piece of news before we just we'll list the 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 names that are available. Uh, but we'll talk about this really briefly. But I mean, it's a big piece of news in basketball and and in sports business, really. Uh, Nerlens Noel has filed a lawsuit against Rich Paul of Clutch Sports. Basically, the story, and it's detailed on basketballnews.com, but uh, Darren Heitner of the Sports Agent blog uh, detailed the the document, and uh, basically, it was alleging that Nerland's Noel had four years and $70 million on the table um, with his agent at the time, Happy Walters, but allegedly, uh, Rich Paul... Uh, told him that he was a $100 million man, albeit uh, this is at Ben Simmons' birthday party, apparently. So ironic there, right? Um, But apparently there were details in that multiple teams had reached out to Paul with interest in contract opportunities for New Orleans, uh, but were never returned. Those calls were not returned uh, nor was he really paid attention to, I guess. Uh, so, Ner- you know, Nerlens, uh, you know, cut ties with Paul uh, back in December of 2020 and, uh, you know, felt he was mismanaged. So, you know, with, without, there's obviously a he said, he said situation here. So I'm not going to take a side here. Um, 
but I just thought that was a very interesting piece of news um, because you don't, you don't see that very often, you know, and it, you know, agency, it, it's a, it can be a dirty game and, and, you know, this is all, that's a lot of money to leave on the table four years and 70 million and end up with a one year, $5 million deal um, with the Knicks, I believe it was. So that, yeah, it's, that's it's a wild situation. Like you said, because you don't, you don't see it playing out that publicly. And this is not like just a little bit of money. This is not about like my agent uh, filed the paperwork at the wrong time or something, which we have seen before um, and lawsuits filed over. But um, we're, we're talking a substantial amount of money. And I think everybody's going to be watching this very closely to see how this plays out. Yep. And uh, you know, that's the the biggest piece of piece of news that's, that's out at the moment. Uh, unless you want to talk about, about the the Wolves trade finally getting uh, approved. Patrick Beverly is going to Minnesota and Memphis is acquiring Jarrett Culver and Juancho Hernan Gomez. More guaranteed contracts. Do you like that Patrick Beverly is now coming out and saying, I never said the step you can have these few years Mm -hmm. and then I'll take the few years after that. Pat Bev is like, I never said that. I don't know who's trying to say that I said that. But now Pat Bev has been exiled into uh, the one of the uh, unfortunate waste stops of the NBA. Uh, I'll the stay Minnesota out of Timberwolves. it. I'll stay out of it. I mean, I, I have do like Patrick that, Beverly for them. I, I have friends that are up in Minnesota and you know, one of my friends, he's more of a football fan. Fringe basketball doesn't pay too close attention. And we were even having a conversation the other day and I go, um, I don't think your team's going to be very good again this year. And it's like, what? I thought we did some stuff. And I was like, mm. I don't know. Don't feel too good about it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's wrap this up with the remaining free agents. We'll see if they're signed before the season. We'll see if they're signed after training camp or maybe a month in. Uh, But we have them listed here at basketballnews.com. Ethan Fuller put together a great list for us of of what is left out there. Uh, Guards-wise, Wesley Matthews is unrestricted. J.J. Redick is unrestricted. Avery Bradley unrestricked. Langston Galloway unrestricted and Frank Nilakina. So By the way, Wesley Matthews unfollowed the Lakers on Instagram, so I don't think he'll be back in L.A. Oh, no. Ooh. <laughs> Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas is also on that list, by the way. and He was linked to the Lakers. So that was interesting. Way, I'm sorry that I know that. It just popped up somewhere. I was like, okay, spoken like a true Laker fan. Svi Mihailuk unrestricted. Solid, solid shooter. So that could be an interesting name. Jared Vanderbilt of the uh, Timberwolves. Um, James Ennis, a, a solid journeyman, um, Stanley Johnson and Rondé Hollis Jefferson bigs wise. We mentioned Lowry Markinen is still without a home. Paul Millsap also still without a home. LaMarcus Aldridge. There was a report a little while ago, not even, you know, kind of recently that he's actually trying to make a return. So that is a free agent that's out there. Isaiah Hartenstein and Boogie Cousins still out there as well. So those are the names that are left um, as free agency winds down and we get into training camp, which media day is in a month. People it is August 25th at two 37 PM here on the East coast. So yep. oh, we've got camp yeah. beginning a month from now. We've got preseason games beginning October 3rd. And the first game of the year is I believe October 19th. Yeah, something like that. That's crazy. We're only six weeks away from the season. 
Six or they seven. can't give us a break, man. They can't give us a damn break. So we need to take a break. <laughs> you know, we need to take a break. Um, you know, unless anything crazy comes up, we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, how things shake out. But maybe Ben Simmons gets traded. I know there's been some rumors out there about that. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the Dame situation. Uh, but otherwise, it's... The stove has significantly cooled. It's 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 been a it's been out there. Someone took the burners off a while ago. I think we're basically locked and loaded for the 2021 season. Think so too. Think so too. Maybe a domino here or there, but uh, nothing too drastic left. But Brian, it was a pleasure to catch up with you, my man. Uh, I'm happy that we came back here on keeping a 94. Kind of filled everybody in on what we've been up to. Of course, we are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Still going strong, people. Got 11 of them. The Rex Chapman Show with Rex Chapman and Josh Hopkins. Neat and Unfiltered with Kenyon Martin. The Pose Cast with James Posey. Congrats to Pose, by the way. Brand new coaching job assisting over at uh, Virginia, uh, a women's basketball team. So congrats to Pose on that. Dishes and Dimes with the ladies. Tom Thomas has the rematch. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Sheridan Show with Chris Sheridan. The follow-through with Clips and Drew. And, of course, NBA Top Shot Weekly with Oliver Maroney and Alex Kennedy. Fun fact, Alex, he told me to get into Top Shot. I didn't have much going with me in Top Shot. But when I was out at Summer League, they had some cards out there. They had some cards that were exclusive to Vegas. So what did I do? Bought the max amount twice. Should have done it three times, but twice. Sold them off. I about 10 times my money. So that I came out on top in Vegas. Came out on top in Vegas, baby. So top shot. Give it a shot. Give it a chance. You can make some money. You can resell some stuff. It's a good, it's a good deal. Or if you like collecting, just do that. But I just thought I should throw that out there. Damn you, clips. Damn you, David Amata, for getting me into that. But it paid off. So I'd like to thank you guys for that. I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. Brian is on Twitter at Brian Fritz, and he's on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Speak now or forever. Hold your peace. Mr. Brian Fritz, anything left for you? Good to talk to you again, Spence. I miss you, buddy. I missed you, too. I missed you, too. But uh, until the next edition of Keep It at 94, I'd like to bid you adieu. And, uh, yeah, we're going into the new season. So this is, just, I guess, the second season of Keep It 94. So until we see you next time, take it easy. Mm-hmm.